1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're your staff writers for Swamp 24-7 Sports. And we are here to kick around the start of fall camp. Blake, I know uh, I am thrilled for one that we're actually talking football at this point.
2: Yeah, I know, especially with, you know, practices starting, you know, full pads out, you know, there's scrimmage notes to be had. Um it's the season, man. I mean, uh, after kind of the year of, you know, just I guess from a media standpoint of, you know, man, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to write about what cleats Florida's going to be wearing and, you know, things that people probably don't find interesting whatsoever. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, now there's things we can write about that people actually, uh, actually care about.
1: Yeah, man, we were pretty close to emptying the chamber there. Uh, you know, <laughs> glad that we actually have some football. So, Blake, let's get into it. Uh, I guess, you know, now that we've had a weekend of fall camp, uh, I guess there's no other simpler way to split it than to just talk football. <laughs> Uh, and so we'll talk about what we've heard out of fall camp so far. I think uh, the first half of the show we'll, we'll focus on the offense, and then the second half of the show we'll come back and talk a little bit about the defense. Uh, Blake, is there anything on the offensive side of the ball that has kind of stuck out to you from what we've heard from from Dan Mullen or, or through our own reporting so far?
2: Uh, you know, for me, I think it's one of the mo- more interesting things so far is just Ethan White playing at center so far for the Gators. <clears throat> and I think it's a good point. It's something you've brought up before that, you know this coaching staff. If you've got a younger guy, or I guess someone that's you know even if he's un, you a know, little little inexperienced, being able to sandwich him in between two you know veteran guys, um, you know Richard, uh, not Richard Gross, excuse me, Stuart Reese, um, and you know Brett Heggie, guys that are you know more veteran type players. So I think it's um from what we saw with Ethan last year, you know, he's obviously, you know, cut a lot of weight. He was obviously very strong, you know, even coming up as a recruit. So I think he's an interesting guy to stick there at center. Um, you don't have to, uh, it, it leaves you some leeway to move Heggy around and kind of put him at guard and let him do some pulling and kind of getting out in space and same thing with Reese. So I think it's an interesting move for Florida. And I'm, I'm curious to see how that translates to, you know, when things kind of pick up and obviously games and, you know, those started, but, uh, uh, from a guy that, you know, from covering recruiting and seeing what Ethan white, you know, big heavy guy coming in, you know, kind of one of those takes where you kind of think like, man, you know, are you sure this is, this is a Florida guy. And, you know, I'm kind of eating those words so far from what he did in his first year, what he's done body wise transforming um, to, you know, getting some snaps at center. So I, I think he's a pretty interesting story itself, but um, I, I'm, I think that's something at least for me, that's jumped out just because I've been pretty bullish on Florida's offensive line, especially last year. And I think he's a, you know, interesting piece to throw in there and, and, kind of, uh, I, I think it helped fleshes out the rest of the line.
1: Well, you're certainly not alone in the uh, the Ethan White take there. Uh, you know, I know there are plenty of posters on Swamp 24-7, some of our loyal subscribers that had the same question marks about him. Uh, but I mean, you saw what he did last year, and then uh, what really stuck out to me was talking to him in the locker room following the, uh, the Orange Bowl win. Uh, just a very, very smart, sharp guy, very cerebral, and I think that's that's one thing Dan Mullen pointed out to us today. Um, You know, he hasn't really wanted to get into specifics, won't really say that, you know, uh, that he's definitely staying there. He actually said that they're working five different centers right now, which makes sense when you think about, you know, the potential for some guys to be quarantined. But I think, you know, what White gives you there is a guy that can get off the ball quickly. You know, we saw that very, very readily last year when he was playing guard. There was an immediate uptick in, in the ability for him to pull. And I think when you have a center that can get off the ball, that makes it, a lot easier for the rest of the line. Now, I would expect, you know, Brett Heggie to continue to get some snaps there. Um, but like you said, I think that combination that starting five, you know, from left to right that we're, we seem to be honing in on of Stone Forsyth, Brett Hege, Ethan White, Stuart Reese, and then Richard Gurage. I think that gives you veterans kind of at each spot. And that's a pretty good interior trio, um, you know, and that's, to me, that's when Florida's offensive line in its run game really gets going under John Hevesy and Dan Mullen is, when they have three guys that are just absolute
2: maulers in the middle. I guess from looking at, it was a mix of the run game struggling and the offensive line struggling a lot for Florida last year, but just kind of knowing, obviously you're not being able to watch practice with just kind of the shutdown, but I guess knowing maybe the key pieces that Florida has there and some of the guys that they even kind of had to throw in there. Could you see the offensive line maybe being somewhat of a strength for Florida on the offensive side?
1: I don't know that I'm ready to call it a strength necessarily. Um, I I think that time will tell on that one. But, I mean, you look at it, you know, Dan Mullen kind of made the point today, you know, when when he took over in 2018, they inherited a group that returned a lot of experienced starters, guys that had played a bunch of football in the SEC. Um, And and that unit took a while to get going. I mean, they took probably, (laughs) I would say, the first half to maybe even two-thirds of the season before they really got it clicking. Um, now, granted, that that unit had to worry about learning the scheme for the first time. So the, the, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. Um, but the group that he had last year obviously didn't have that level of experience. And so I think last year you saw them starting to get that experience. Uh, you look at this year's group, basically you return everybody except Nick Buchanan. Um, and really that line was playing better at the end of the year than it was at the beginning of the year. I think once you replaced Chris Bleich with an Ethan White, with a Richard Gourage getting you know more snaps, that line got better. So I look at the guys that are coming back. You know, you've got those four guys that that were key contributors last year, and then you lose Nick Buchanan, but you add a talented guy like Stuart Reese who's been a multi-year starter in the SEC. I don't see any way that this line doesn't get significantly better. Now, is that enough to make it a strength? I don't know because they were bad last year. I mean, there's no sugarcoating that. Anybody that watched Florida play, I mean, you saw that line. They just weren't very good. Florida couldn't run the ball all year. I think at the start of the year, it probably is not going to look – tremendously different from a year ago from where they ended but I think you know I think they'll ramp up quicker than maybe even that 2018 unit did and eventually you know you'll have a much deeper line and and probably a line that can really move guys around a little bit more
2: you mentioned or I mentioned my thing that I was excited about to see on the offensive side from listening and kind of tapping sources and you know just from what Mullen has told you guys um, what what are you most excited about on the offensive side
1: um, I think for me, I, well, first off, you know, for anybody that is not aware, Florida's three receivers that were holding out for the early part of fall camp are back. I think that's huge. Um, you know, we can talk all we want about, you know, the excitement level for guys like Xavier Henderson or, or Jaquavian Frazier's or even some of the redshirt freshmen like Trent Whittemore and Jamarcus Weston. But the bottom line is Florida had a huge hole at receiver if those three didn't come back. So they're back in the fold now. That's terrific news for Florida. I think Trayvon Grimes is poised for a a real breakout campaign. I think he's, he and Kyle Pitts are going to be just a super strong one too. Um, You know, so as much as Florida lost at receiver, that's probably the spot I'm looking at and saying Florida's got some really, really big potential there. You know, Jacob Copeland was a guy that can really make some plays down the field, can stretch the field. We know Xavier Henderson has that potential, you know, how quickly he can kind of develop and come along remains to be seen, but, Me, that receiver group is pretty good. I still don't know what Florida has at running back, so it's hard for me to really circle that, even if the O line improves. Uh, I just look at those receivers, and I think Trent Whittemore is a guy that I've had circled for a while. Uh, Dan Mullen raved about him today, said he has fabulous hands, uh, really high IQ guy, can play all three positions, and is really extremely athletic. So I, I think he's a guy that you circle as a potential big contributor. And then again, I mean, Copeland, Grimes, Pitts. You know, we haven't even talked about Kadarius Tony if he can ever, you know, get to the point where he can play more snaps. I mean, that's a really strong group of receiver, Blake.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I think that that's big for them to get those guys back. I thought from whenever we did the last podcast, we talked about just in general the four guys that were holding out, and those being Kadarius Tony, Trevon Grimes, uh, Jacob Copeland, and Zachary Carter on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I know we'll talk defensive later, but I thought. Overall, one player I thought that was a big hit was Zachary Carter. But then when we kinda talked more about it and you can kind of see that Florida has it maybe not it's maybe not ideal because they have some guys they can move around, but I think from top to bottom yeah, I think Carter was probably the biggest hit overall from all those guys. But that group, you know, you lose three wide receivers um, from a group that's you know supposed to be your starting group. On top of the fact that you lost so many you know big contributors from last year, um, it, it was going to be hard for Florida to kind of work around that with a veteran team. It, you know, it, it just it, it did seem like that was going to be a big obstacle to overcome. Just the sheer fact of just three guys that were going to be snap, you know, going to get big time snaps there. So um, Trevon Grimes, I agree. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to break out. Kadarius Tony, I think it's he's got all the talent in the world. He brings a lot to the table, but I think it's you know, maybe, I don't know if it's just injuries or just, you know, a, a lot of different things, but he just hasn't really seemed to kind of put together, I guess a complete entire season. But I think Jacob Copeland is the one that has maybe the highest ceiling out of the entire group there, just because you did see him really start to come on last season. So I, I think that those were, it was a big win for Florida because man, it, it's going to be a, a struggle with a 10 sec game season to sit there and trot out, you know, a true freshman or a red shirt freshman. So that was big for Florida to get well, those guys it was, back.
1: It was just a numbers game really. I mean, Florida was down to five scholarship receivers that were eligible. I mean, you know, obviously Justin Shorter and you know and uh, Jordan Pouncy. Sorry, I always get the, the two brothers or cousins. No, I'm cousins,
2: cousins. Ethan and Ethan and Jordan are Jordan brothers, but birthday, they're cousins yeah. with the uh, with yeah. the Pouncy twins. <laughs> I
1: know that's what confuses me. Okay, yeah. So uh, you know those two transfers still need waivers. So, but at the, at that point, Florida was down to five scholarship receivers early in fall camp. Um, you, you can't play at the SEC level with just five scholarship receivers. So they needed to get those guys back. Um, I think Trayvon Grimes has the potential to be a real leader for the team. Um, But, Blake, let's talk about some of the other areas where we're maybe not as sure. Uh, I think running back is one that we've both kind of circled. You know, even if the O-line improves, I'm not sure how I feel about the overall talent level in that room. Um, I know that they added five-star, former five-star prospect Lorenzo Lingard, a transfer out of Miami. He's immediately eligible if we can play this year. But personally, Blake, I don't like to rely on guys until or, or count on them, you know, necessarily being a strength until I've seen them. Uh, And certainly the reviews out of fall camp have been good on Lingard and and maybe you can provide us a little more background on his, you know, his outlook out of high school. Um, But I'm not sure what to expect from him at this point.
2: You know, he's, he's a blazer. You know, I think he was very productive in high school. Um, I think a lot of the, I guess, talk from, you know, his transfer, you know, the fact that he wasn't getting the snaps at Miami was just that he was struggling to pick up that, you know, the playbook there. Um, I, I think Florida kind of fits more of maybe his style to where, you know, you have that one cut, get through there and, you know, kind of take off, um, you know, they'll, they'll do different things obviously, but I, I think Lingard does fit really well into what Florida does. And I, I think that, um you know, just from what you guys were hearing and just kind of the talk of fall camp so far is that, you know, he hasn't really lost much speed, you know, he's still got the speed there. So I, I think in general, you know, Pierce is probably going to be the guy that I expect to be, you know, kind of the RB one, the one who gets those carries, maybe may a little more durable and tough, but Overall, I think if you can bring a guy like Lingard in and you can bring that speed, I think Mullen's offense is kind of built and and runs a lot better when you have just a lot of speed out there. So, I mean, it's no negative to have a guy in there that's just going to come in there and just make your team faster. I think that Mullen is going to find a way to put him in space, you know, do different things to kind of use that speed. um, Just because of the simple fact that, you know, Pierce is going to, you know, he's going to be the guy, but you just can't expect him to be, you know, this workload, you know, guy, you know, boom, 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 every, every, every play. So they're going to have to find a guy that's going to be the backup, whether that's Malik Davis, whether Naquan Wright kind of comes in there, steps up. But I think Lingard is the one that I expect there just because of the fact he's got a lot of speed there. He's got some experience, maybe not a big culmination of game experience, but I think he's just someone who's kind of used to the college game. And I I think that he's going to be the guy. And I think, I think, you know, sometimes, putting someone in a different environment and putting someone in a different program, it does seem that he's really kind of bought into the Florida program. Um, You know, he's really been working hard. So I, I think that, uh, I think that this is going to be a good spot for him. And I I think you're going to see him be a little bit more productive.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, we just got off a zoom call with Dan Mullen and he was kind of asked about the running backs and who could maybe help replace LaMichael Pirine. And uh, Lingard was actually not a name that came up, you know, Malik Davis was the first guy that, that Dan Mullen kind of pointed out and said, You know, he's a guy that can do some of that pass catching stuff. And then, you know, obviously Pierce as well. But, you know, just just being honest, as much as I love Damian Pierce as a runner, um, I've never been particularly impressed with his hands out of the backfield. Um, So maybe that's something he's worked on this offseason has gotten better at. But, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that Dan Mullen pointed out Malik Davis first when kind of asked about that that running back group.
2: Yeah, that is interesting, because I think Malik Davis, you look at that, what he did that freshman year for Florida, and I mean, man, he just flashed, and you look at last year, and I don't know if it's just, he wasn't fully back, he just wasn't fully ready there, but it did seem like he just wasn't quite the same player, so um, definitely someone I'm rooting for to kind of, you know, have that happy ending, and kind of make that next jump, and you know, like we said, someone's gonna have to be the guy who's gonna be the one that steps up past Pierce, and I. I it could it be Davis, could it be Lingard? My money's on Lingard, but um, you know, Davis has shown if he can be that guy he was in his freshman year when he was at Florida, he could he can make some noise
1: for sure. And it, it's hard to. Fault anybody too much for last year. I mean, Florida had so few opportunities to run the ball, knowing that they Very were, true. You know, such a pass-heavy team, and and that was their strength. They they just really didn't give anybody a whole lot of carries enough to get into a rhythm. And then you're running behind, you know, what was really a crappy O line last year. Uh, it you know, it's hard to say if Davis you know is a step slower you know after those two season-ending injuries or not. Uh, I think we'll certainly find out. You know, Florida's gonna if we know anything about Florida, what they like to do is in those first couple games, you know. Mm-hmm whenever within reason they like to be able to kind of experiment to see what they've got, see what they're good at, see what they're not good at. Um, You know, obviously it's going to be tricky this year because as we talked about, you know, on the last episode of the podcast, the schedule really is kind of front loaded. So uh, unfortunately this is probably a year where the Gators would like to have uh, particularly not having spring ball, their original schedule where they either roll out there with three home games against pretty easy opponents. Now all of a sudden you go on the road, two of the first three, I don't know that you're really going to have the chance to, uh, you know, to, get up on teams and then and then try to work the run game and see who's best uh, it's gonna be trial by fire to some degree um, and so that's another reason that that camp's really important and these guys are gonna have to show out early um, which to me again makes the you know the the fact that Mullen mentioned Davis all the more interesting but uh Blake let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the defense on uh on the other side of the ball uh, right after the other right after this break sorry man I'm like losing it today <laughs> right <laughs> after this break guys hang with us
0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Uh, We're kicking around the first week of Florida's fall camp, really kind of getting into the second week now. Uh, I believe as of recording this episode, Florida is now through eight practices. Uh, They've only had two in full pads, but four have been in shells, so... The coaches have had a chance to get a good look at everything. You know, we spent a little bit of time talking about the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Blake, I think there's just as many interesting questions on the defensive side of the ball. And I think a lot of it for most fans right now is kind of who's playing where, because we have a number of guys that have moved to different positions. Uh, I know what we've talked a good bit about some of these guys, and I I venture that I could guess what your answer will be on this one. But what's one of those position changes or, or guys playing a bit of a different role right now that sticks out the most to you?
2: Uh, to me, I think it's uh, Mumu Dibiate, uh moving him from kind of that more of a buck edge rushing type and throwing him more so at, you know, a middle linebacker and cross training him around for some of these other linebacker spots. I think it's interesting because the fact that Florida has a lot of bucks, you know, they're, they're kind of shelving some of these guys. And the fact that they like those, kind of new age linebackers to where it's not this big thick imposing guy, someone who's a little bit more athletic and can kind of do a a different things as a linebacker instead of just being, you know, that big, you know, whole stuffer type guy. Um, I I think that it's interesting to see him there because I think he does bring a lot of athleticism. You know, you saw him in the Vanderbilt game last year. I think that was kind of his biggest coming out party. Um, But I mean, he made a lot of plays for Florida as a true freshman. So I think in general, Florida does seem to like those guys that do kind of, you know, cross-train at different positions. That seems to be kind of a key on defense, whether you're a guy that could play some in the three techniques, some games could play some in the five along the defensive line. Are you a buck? Are you a linebacker? Are you a nickel safety corner? They do seem to, they kind of cross-train a lot of those guys. So I think it's maybe just more interesting to me because the fact that, you know, covering Diabate as a recruit, you know, you kind of had him pegged as, you know, that weak side defender type kind of to a T and now you're seeing him line up in some different spots for Florida, playing some Mike linebacker, playing some money. So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to let Florida. He's going to bring a little bit because he can do so many different things, but he also brings the ability to rush the edge. So I think Florida's linebacker room, it's looking a little bit more interesting because you have so many different guys that maybe you thought he was going to be a buck linebacker. You know, Andrew Chatfield, who I believe is working a little bit more at linebacker himself. So um, I, I think now where you, or at least me looking the season, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, Ventrell Miller, James Houston, great linebackers themselves, but are they athletic enough? Are, is Florida going to have enough athleticism in their linebacker room to kind of keep up with some of these teams? And now you're looking at fall camp and these guys that are being cross-trained at different positions. Depth's a little bit, you know, that more athletic player depth is a little bit, you know, a little bit better than I thought it was.
1: Yeah, I think linebacker is absolutely fascinating. And I'll be honest, like, I I don't have a clear grasp on what Florida is going to do there. You know, obviously, we've heard all offseason from from sources within the program that, you know, Mahmood was going to start getting some reps at linebacker that they're going to kind of disguise how they use him a little bit more this year. Um, You know, you you talk about the athleticism. Tyron Hoppers, another guy that has, you know, really good athleticism.
2: Another guy, too.
1: Eric Wingo, you know, everybody raised about his leadership quality. At this
2: point, there's so him. many different athletic linebackers that I, I, I can easily forget some of them.
1: Yeah, and and I just – I don't know. I, I think I think one thing we can say for sure is that Ventrell Miller is kind of going to be that the staple guy there. Sure. After, after starting 11 games alongside David Reese, he's the guy that has the experience. And, you know, if you're going to get some of these other younger guys involved, uh, for one, I think that – I think Ventrell can play either linebacker position, you know, because he lined up alongside David Reese last year. So he's got the flexibility to play both of those spots. And I think you're going to want to see him alongside some of those athletic guys, kind of making sure that they're in the right spots. I think he's perfectly capable of doing that. But I think you're going to see a lot of mix and mix and match kind of stuff happening on the defense. And that's, that seems to be the direction that defensive coordinator Todd Grantham wants to go, you know, not just at linebacker, but at that buck spot where you can go from a bigger guy like a Brenton Cox, uh, who's actually spent most of his time so far in camp on the strong side, or you can, you know, have somebody a little bit longer and leaner like a Jeremiah Moon. You could go someone even as, you know, quick and thin as a Diabate. Like there's so many different options at that buck that I think that the idea for Florida is when you have all these guys that are so position flexible, what it allows you to do is potentially not have to change your personnel uh, based on what the offense is doing, you know, Florida loves to play matchups. And when you can have guys that are versatile like that, and this is something that, you know, Dan Mullen really harped on today when we talked to him, it allows you to kind of disguise what you're doing or not have to substitute and make it clear that you're expecting one thing or another. Um, and, and I think that's the same is true. I, you know, I kind of look at that position flexibility as being, there's really four key spots where I see it happen. And it's, it's from Buck those linebacker positions, even to nickel. And what you see happening at nickel is you got a bunch of different dudes training there. Um, but now Florida's going more back towards a bigger body guy like Amari Bernie. And I'm really fascinated to see how that plays out because, you know, Bernie's a guy that ran at linebacker all last year, played nickel as a, as a freshman before that. And now he's moving back there. So, you know, if he is back healthy and this is what I don't know, Blake, last year, we didn't really see a fully healthy Amari Bernie. Uh, and so it's hard to evaluate his coverage skills. But I think if he's fully healthy, he's kind of that key piece that can, you know, do some of what Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did um, or whatever. Tr- sorry, uh, C.D. Deuce, I believe, is he's going by now. C.D. Deuce. C.D. Deuce. Uh, you know, he he kind of could do it all. He could run with the bigger guys, and uh, he could also, you know, cover some of the, the more elite slot receivers. Uh, I, Florida's coaches seem to view Bernie as a guy that has that potential, Blake.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And I think the nickel position is one that – you look at last year, man, like it just seemed like the departure of John Huggins really set them back and really kind of left them – I don't want to say confused because they obviously shopped guys around and, you know, that's part of coaching. But it definitely seemed like – Like, they were struggling with some plans past that whenever, you know, you lose a John Huggins guy. Trey Dean obviously really wasn't cutting it there. And and this year, you can't afford to throw Marco Wilson in the nickel like you had the luxury last year, having a guy like C.J. Henderson, having Kyer Elam who came along. You just don't have that luxury this year. So I think it's very important for Florida to find that guy at nickel. And I believe Mullen said in his time with the media today that, you know, finding the right guy at nickel is almost like finding a unicorn. So I guess we'll have to hope that Amari Burney is a unicorn. Yeah.
1: No, I, I do think I do think Marco Wilson could potentially slide in there on some downs. You know, Dan Mullen hinted at it as a possibility. But I think like you said, that's it's that would be a luxury at this point. You know, sure. that's, gonna, that's gonna depend on whether or not some of these, you know, redshirt or I guess none of them redshirted, but you know, whether these sophomore cornerbacks like a, a Chester Kimbrough or a Jaden Hill, uh, you know, or some of the the actual true freshman guys that Florida brought in can step in and play outside. And if you get a guy that's, you know, really capable outside, then maybe you can slide Marco in depending on the situation. Uh, but yeah that's a tough that's a tough role to fill and you know looking at last year obviously you know to go from you know cd deuce uh, who is really really good at that position in 2018 uh, to a significant drop back and again you mentioned it like circumstance kind of forced that with john huggins leaving with justin watkins kind of getting kicked off the team Uh, cj mcwilliams was hurt all last year and you know as as much as he has struggled at you know in the secondary at Florida, he was another guy. So I think Florida just kind of ran out of options there last year and they had already kind of, you know, made the decision to move Amari Bernie to linebacker. Uh, I think, like you said, they just didn't have a whole lot of good options last year. And I think the options this year are significantly better. You know, Amari Bernie, certainly if he's healthy, we talked about can, can play that role. But then you also have, you know, a guy like a Chester Kimbrough who can give you a completely different look there as a guy that's smaller can probably hang with those slot receivers a little bit better. Um, or, or even a guy that's maybe a little bit in between uh, in uh, Trevez Johnson, you know, a guy that can maybe do it all. Um, but, Blake, uh, talking about Trey Dean, that's another one of the position moves that's happened this offseason, and there's been a couple of them. So, uh, I don't know, maybe we should just get them all off the bat. I know Dante Lang has switched from tight end to defensive end. Uh, Javon Dexter's playing pretty much sounds like just inside for now. Uh, Zach Carter, it sounds like he's going to play a little bit more inside than outside um brenton cox like we mentioned is playing more on the strong side but trading right now is back at safety blake uh do you envision florida continuing with this kind of rotation of anywhere from you know three to four safeties in 2020
2: you know I, I think they will um just because that seems to be kind of procedure that they roll just kind of r- putting different guys in there but i think it's tough when you have so many upperclassmen i i Personally, I think you should find someone, you know, your best two guys that do the best two things that you want to do, and you should stick with those guys. Not to say you can't rotate fresh legs in there and this and that, but I, I think the 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 fact they have so many different upperclassmen, I think that they should just find like the best two guys there and, and just kind of roll with them. I think there were some times last year where, you know, you you kind of look at some personnel that were in and, you know, you see a play being made. Um, and, and, you know, you're, you're kind of wondering, well, you know, why did they change this and why did they change that? So it just seemed like, it seems like it made some confusion, and you know, even just from a guy that's playing, you know, you you start kind of getting in the in the rhythm of things. You know, you're in for you know a series that's you know x amount of plays, and you you know you're feeling it, and you're you're kind of getting more locked in, more comfortable with the game. Well, next drive you're out. So I think it I think it just brings more cohesiveness. I think it brings people. Um, just, I guess just the, their preparation, whether that's in game or before game, just to know, you know, that I'm the guy I'm going to be doing this. And I I think that that will kind of bring more cohesiveness to Florida's defense, whether that's trading, whether that's Brad Stewart, whether that's Donovan Steiner. Um, I mean, they've got plenty of options out there at safety right now, but I I think that, I I think that this point in the season where you've got, you know, a shortened practice, you have short time to prepare. You didn't have the spring. I think you should find your best guys instead of kind of, uh, I guess shopping them around on the fly and seeing what they do in different situations. I, I think that this season more than anything is kind of finding who you got and sticking with it. Not to say you can't taper off that if things don't work out, it's the way the season goes. But I think for right now it's, you know, you should stick with your two guys and kind of roll with them.
1: Who Would your two guys be
2: right now? I would say probably Sean Davis and probably Brad Stewart. Those are probably, like, I guess
1: you like th- Steiner.
2: I do. I think Stewart brings a little bit more in there. I think he brings a little bit more big, uh, big playability to him. I think he brings a little bit more hitting, um, you know, in the run game. I, I just think overall, I think that those are probably the most two complete guys.
1: Yeah, I, I agree from, like, a ceiling standpoint. Like, uh, there's no question to me that, that Sean Davis and Brad Stewart had the highest ceiling. And I think probably part of the reason for Florida's rotation was that there's there's such a lack of consistency from time to time with those two.
2: It's very true, though. I
1: mean, th- Those guys are both super athletic. I mean, we saw what Sean Davis did in the Auburn game you know, that, that nasty one-handed pick, uh, his ability to hit and tackle. Uh, I think, I think I'm highest on him right now. I think his, his issues are really just uh, occasional mental lapses in terms of coverage. And I think over time, the more you play, those tend to go away. Uh, So I I wouldn't be surprised if he has a breakout season. I think he's definitely one of your, you know, your full-time starters. The issue for me between, you know, Stewart and, and Steiner is Steiner is very consistent. Like, He's not going to make all the plays, but he's going to be in the right spots. He's going to have everybody on the same page. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason Florida's coaches played him so much last year. Now, you know, Stewart definitely got more run down the stretch. Um, and I think, you know, who knows, maybe he can continue to show improved consistency. Um, but, it, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I do think I, – I don't know. Without seeing trading. That's another
2: thing too, you know, Trey Dean brings a whole different dynamic to it just because, you know, he was coming out of high school as a big time safety, got thrown to the fire at cornerback. But I mean, his his overall body of work from what you, you know, he was recruited to play and whatnot was at safety. So I'm interested to see, you know, how he fits in the equation.
1: And it's just hard to go off what coaches are telling us. I mean, again, we're tapping sources. So it's not like we're completely flying blind here. But just me personally, I like to see the guys, you know, at a new spot or play before I really make too much of a judgment. Um so who knows, trading could be great there. Um but for me, I think for now, I think I'm highest on Davis and I, I think that's kind of the direction Florida should roll. Um but it, it the other interesting thing, Blake, that I think you know not necessarily related to the defense alone, but just the structure of fall camp this year is the other thing that's kind of stuck out to me. Um, You know, I I mentioned on the swamp 24 seven message boards when people were were asking about, you know, when are they going to practice? I I made the comment in the first day or two that, uh, you know, you only have 25 practices and you only have 40 days to get them in uh, before the season. So you're not going to be practicing every day. Well, we're, we're here on day eight of fall camp and uh, best I can tell they've, they've already had eight practices. Uh, is what Dan Mullen said. So they've really front loaded the, the fall camp schedule as well to where, you know, now they're going to have to really stretch things out. And so, you know, they're they're working on these fundamentals and I think trying to get as many reps on fundamentals as they can back to back to back to back uh, to make sure guys are comfortable. And then as they get to the learning phase, it's going to be a lot slower. And I think, you know, part of that is probably related to students coming back, classes starting up, you know, they, they want to have things a little more spaced out. That way, if they do have issues where they need to quarantine because they have positive tests, you know they have it a little more spaced out, so they're not missing as many valuable practices. Um, but I thought that was interesting that they've kind of front loaded the practice schedule. Um, you know, Florida will have its first scrimmage on Friday, and we'll certainly provide you know whatever notes we can on Swamp Twenty Four Seven com. But uh, Blake, I don't know. I mean, unless there's something else uh, that I've that we've missed or overlooked, um, well, I think that that should pretty much do it for today, huh?
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I just think at this point, you know, getting into fall camp, you know, getting into the scrimmage, I think there's going to be, I think things will continue to heat up as far as just, you know, having things to talk about at this point. But, you know, the position changes I think are noteworthy. Um, and, man, I'm I'm excited to, uh, you know, see some clips from the scrimmage. I know that there's been some teams that have put, you know, kind of their clips of their scrimmages out on social media and whatnot. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Florida's.
1: I don't know if I'll hold my breath on that one, but but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Uh yeah, we, access has been tough, but like I said, guys, we've been doing our best to try to keep you informed on swamp247.com, so uh, be sure to hit the site. I know Blake, um, Bob, and I have, have all been tapping the sources pretty routinely, and I think we've had, I want to say we've had VIP updates from just about every practice so far, uh, so if you're interested, dying to get a fix, uh, Dan Mullen's press conference is not quite doing it for you, we've got the inside scoop on swamp247.com. Uh, I believe Blake for the rest of the month, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the rest of the month, we still have a 50% off annual VIP promotion running. Uh, It's the 10 year anniversary of 24/7 sports. uh, So that'll be going on for the rest of the month. So if you want to get those updates, feel free, you get 50% off an annual subscription, which gets you access to all of our VIP updates from within practices. And uh, obviously Blake Friday will be a big one with the scrimmage. So definitely looking forward to that Uh, until next time, guys, we'll be back next week with more updates, probably, uh, probably a little earlier in the week, we don't have a full schedule from UF. So we've been kind of, we unfortunately with the podcast, we have not had a set schedule because we didn't want to shoot an episode Monday and then, you know, come out, you know, Dan Mullen breaks some major news Tuesday and then we don't have it on the podcast. So, uh bear with us with that we'll be a little bit flexible but uh we will will try to get you a post scrimmage recap as soon as we get those sources tap all the information uh and can bring it to you so be sure to tune in to swamp247.com guys that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast